We got quite the show. Uh, we got more of a show than what I was expecting. Uh, obviously, it uh, was in Toronto. Uh, it was in Canada. We was expecting it to be a fun show. We was expecting something, but I don't know that we were expecting what we got. Certainly, I wasn't. And um, yeah, so much to talk about. We need to get into it. Uh, the show starts with Riddle and Seth Rollins brawling in the back, they come into the arena. They brawl all through the crowds. Uh, there's one bit where they go above like a stairwell. And it really looks like Riddle's about to like suplex or throw Seth uh, into these like concrete steps. Obviously, it's never going to happen. And thankfully, it doesn't. Uh, because uh, that would probably rule him out for quite a while. Um, but uh, yeah, good little brawl. Um, it ends with like the officials coming down, separating them. Some really great camera shots as well. Some uh, We're seeing a lot more of those kind of swooping camera angles. We're seeing quite a few of those. And um, they work, man. They look great. And uh, there was a few of those used here. So uh, hot start. Then, out of nowhere, seemingly for no reason, we just got pyro. Like, pyro was just going off. And um, it was a bit strange, this one. The, re the reason why I took the screenshot is because pyro was going off, but there was, like, nothing happening. Like, the, we, we cut to the crowd, and the crowd just kind of applauded. It was like pyro to start the show. But uh, literally moments later, once the pyro had gone, Trish comes out. We actually get Trish opening the show now this is not a long segment but uh, there's quite a bit that happens in it trish doesn't really say anything i did have a bit of a criticism of uh, this segment on the watch along i mean look seeing trish is amazing i just think that you had an opportunity to really do something here um i said on the watch along it would have been great if she had have come out and said you know guys i'm so excited to be back it's an honor to be in this ring with you guys and I've got to tell you, I've been watching the show and there is someone that has caught my eye. Raquel Rodriguez is a massive star of the future. If you haven't seen her or you've not been paying her attention, keep an eye out for Raquel Rodriguez. Like something like that would have been really cool. Like it would have took all of two seconds. It would have made uh, Raquel stop go like through the roof. And it would have felt like she had actually said something. But uh, here she was just saying, like, it's great to be back in the ring. This feels like home. Uh, it'll always feel like home being uh, in the ring. And um, she didn't really she didn't really say any more than that because Bailey comes out. EO Sky comes out. Dakota Kai come out. They get into the ring. And then, again, this is really weird because they're saying they're big fans. EO is saying that she loves Trish. And she's a big fan of Trish. And then literally moments later, they're saying that they hate her. And I don't know. It was just, a, it was it was really weird. It was a really kind of, I felt like you could have done so much more than what we actually did with this segment. Of course, you know, Trish is outnumbered. Uh, three of them, just one of her. Uh, that brings out Asuka and uh, Alexa and Bianca. We know that at Clash at the Castle, we're getting Bailey and uh, her buddies taking on Bianca Asuka, Alexa. So uh, this was always going to go that way. And um, that's exactly what happened. So Trish very much just a nice way to open the show. Little bit of an afterthought in this segment. But um, hey, look, it is what it is. It was uh, it was all right. I've seen worse opens, but 
I just think, I think with Triple H now, my expectations are so high. My expectations are that he's going to give them something really juicy to get their teeth into. And I just didn't really feel like there was much here for Trish uh, to do. But we do see her again later. And uh, she does play uh, another little role in the show. So uh, next up, we see the women's bracket. And obviously we find out the news that uh, it is going to be EO Sky Dakota taking on Alexa Asuka. That match would be next. But on the other side of the bracket, the uh, SmackDown side of the bracket, uh, Raquel and Aaliyah have gotten through. Uh, and Aaliyah would be on this show. No sign of Raquel, actually. But uh, sadly, Toxic Attraction, who had qualified uh, just on SmackDown, just gone. Uh, Gigi Dolan is injured. Toxic Attraction are out. So that means that there is going to be, I think this Friday, actually, a second chance Fatal 4-Way. So I'm guessing it's the uh, teams that were eliminated in the first round. They're going to be in that second chance Fatal 4-Way. You could maybe make an argument that Asuka and Alexa should be involved because they deserve a second chance. Why do all these other women get a second chance? Uh, they don't deserve a second chance. So you could make an argument that they, it should be a Fatal 5-Way. But um, in fact, thinking about it, yeah, well, Natalia and Sonya... Zaya Lee and Shotzi, Tamina and Dana, Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop. Those are going to be your four teams. But as I said, what about Alexa and Asuka? Why don't they get a second chance? Um, but either way, Fatal 4-Way winners uh, will go up against Raquel and Aaliyah. And then uh, obviously the winners will go on to take the winners of the next match that we were getting. Um, there's a quite a bit to talk about with this next match as well. There's quite a lot that's uh, going on in it. So uh, let's try and break this all down, shall we? So the next match was that tag match between Dakota and Io taking on Asuka and Alexa. This is for a place in the final. This is the Raw team that's going to uh, be into that final. Um, no Lily, which is a talking point. Um, it's another week of no Lily. Didn't notice it before, but people were talking about the fact that Lily... I don't think was on the show last week. She was not here again, but she is still on the graphics for Alexa's Titantron. So she's still got a presence, but she's just not being brought to the ring at the moment. It does feel like Alexa is kind of in between characters. I think she has moved away from that playground, uh, Alexa, clearly. The only kind of uh, reminder is Lily. I think they've sold quite a few dolls. Maybe those sales are slowing. If the sales are starting to slow, maybe they're thinking now's the time we can move away from the Lily doll. Not sure, but um, a second week in a row without Lily. Um, great moment in this match as well, where we get Asuka and Io going face to face. The conversation did come up. Have they ever been in the ring at the same time? I mean, yes, outside of WWE. I believe they were in a faction. I want to say the faction might have been called Triple Tails or something along those lines when she was Kana over in Japan. But um, in WWE, maybe there was a moment they were face to face during a rumble. There might have been something uh, when Asuka, I think Asuka and Kyrie might have gone to NXT as women's tag champs. So there might have been something there. But to be honest, I can't really recall uh, them being face to face in the ring. This was a cool moment, Asuka and Io. And what was great is they've got such great chemistry. They were like countering each other and they were like one step ahead of each other. You could tell they could have a five-star match, man. They, they could have a banger. They really could. They've got such a natural chemistry with each other. So 
Hopefully we get that one day. But the way the match ended, uh, Asuka got the Asuka lock on Dakota Kai. Dakota tapped, clearly tapped. But then out of nowhere, Asuka gets rolled up by EO Sky. And I must admit, I was confused. But uh, apparently the tag was made. So um, Asuka here has got the Asuka lock on the wrong person. It's the wrong person. It's not the legal woman. Um, it's EO that's the legal woman. And so Asuka thinks she's got the win. Um, but sadly, it's the wrong person that's tapped. So it is a victory for Dakota Kai and EO uh, Sky. They go through to the final. They will face either Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah or the winner of that fatal four-way. So a bit more work to do to find out who gets to the final. We'll get some more answers on that on SmackDown. Next, uh, we went backstage and uh, we had Dolph going face-to-face -face with Finn. I didn't mind this because... Our next match was Dolph against Finn, and uh, there's no real reason for that match. So I don't mind the fact they gave us a reason here. These two getting face-to-face -face backstage. Uh, Dolph actually puts Finn down on the ground, um, even swears at him as he uh, heads through the curtain and just kind of gives the match a little bit of a reason, a little bit more weight, uh, a bit more importance. You can kind of tell these two don't like each other, and um, I appreciated this little interaction. The only thing I would say is that it wasn't great seeing the leader of uh, Judgment Day being pushed down and just kind of punked out a bit. But uh, obviously he would get his uh, revenge. Uh, just before we went to this match, our second match of the evening, we got this sick CGI, man. This CGI was insane. This CGI was so good. Look at the CGI. Uh, for those of you that are listening on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the Amazon podcasts, all the places that this goes as a, as a podcast, you obviously can't see this, but it is a CGI graphic, and I don't remember seeing it before, of like a castle, the insides of a castle. We've got like uh, the, the, the drawbridge, we've got the gates, we've got the, I don't know what they are, towers. It looks great. And in the middle is the graphic that's, uh, they kept using it actually for the different matches. This one is advertising Roman and Drew. And it does say it's the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, is it for one belt? Is it for both belts? This graphic right here says it's for both. Um, so I don't know how we're going to get it to be for just one because there are big reports that USA Network want a title back on Raw. They don't like the idea that um, Roman's got both and he tends to spend most of his time on SmackDown. So there are reports that they are going to separate them, but we just haven't got there yet. But uh, yeah, this is quite clear that uh, this is uh, for both at the moment. So maybe a bit more work to be done before we get to uh, Clash at the Castle or maybe not. Uh, maybe it will be for both. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe, maybe Drew wins both. I feel like Drew is going to be victorious. So right now, I think there's a real good chance he is leaving with both of those belts. But it just feels a bit soon to end the title reign. For, I really want Roman to get to a thousand days. I really want him to get to a thousand days. But I think this is his biggest challenge for a long, long time. I never thought he was going to lose at SummerSlam because there'd been big rumors that he was going to face Riddle. Then he was going to face Randy. Then he was going to face Drew. Well, he faced Riddle on SmackDown. Randy was replaced with Brock. But we knew that this match was coming up with Drew at Clash. So I didn't think he was going to lose the belts at SummerSlam as a, as a result of that. 
I don't know what happens here. There's no rumours about Roman after this. No rumours. He could lose it here. So, I don't know. Tense. We'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, Young Bucks got a mention as well, apparently. I don't think it was Young Bucks. I think it was Young Buck. So, I think uh, Corey referred to Dolph or Finn as a Young Buck. And... Um, Someone that I never can hear the commentary. Someone said that he had to like, kind of, it was a bit awkward. So, um, yeah, interesting. So, uh, yes, we got that. Uh, we also, I did uh, forget to mention, when Dolph was backstage with Finn and he slaps him and pushes him over, he does say that he's got the whole world in his hands. That sparked a lot of excitement in our watch along because anything that's going to be related to Bray is going to, you know, have that kind of excitement. Um, we know that on Friday, the word buzzard was used. And now we've got uh, the whole world in his hand being mentioned, which, you know, is something that uh, is very connected with Bray Wyatt. The only thing I would say about it is it could be a reference and we could see these little Bray references being dotted in the shows as we get closer towards maybe a vignette or maybe his return even at Clash at the Castle. I just don't quite get this one, though, because... For me, when Michael Cole talks about Buzzard and mentioned Buzzard, he was talking about Happy Corbin. But if he if he was doing it as a little tease for Bray, that makes sense because he works for WWE. He's a commentator. Like, he works. He goes into their meetings. He, he, he might know that Bray's coming back. He might think, oh, I'll put this in there, get people talking about the product. Like, that makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense, Dolph saying he's got the whole world in his hands. Because why does Dolph care if Bray comes back or not? Like, I know Dolph works for WWE, but he doesn't work to help promote other superstars. He's he's trying to win titles and do things for himself. So why would he say that? Why would they tell him to say that? I, I, I can't. That one doesn't make as much sense to me. So it listen, it could be summer. It could be nothing, right? It could be reaching. Absolutely. I'm quite happy to say that it could be nothing. But I do think it's interesting that the word buzzard was mentioned on Friday, which is very Bray related. And now whole world in his hands. That's just not something I see Dolph coming out with. The other thing, though, just to round up on this uh, subject, is that um, he could be saying it because he knows it will trend. I mean, if they're not writing scripts for them or promos for them anymore and they can say whatever they want, I have to say, I tell you, if I was a WWE superstar, I would drop in some at Bray related because it's going to get me spoken about. You're going to be saying, did you hear what Days just said? Did you hear Days just said this? And so I'm going to be trending and you're going to be talking about me. And I've played you. I've completely played you. I don't know if Bray's coming back, but you are talking about me because of some I said. And it's an easy way to get your attention. It's an easy way to trend. So, I don't know. I've got a few conflicting feelings on it. I feel like it was a weird thing to say, so I totally get why people got excited over it. But equally, I find it a bit weird that it's Dolph that's saying it. Because, um, like, if Triple H goes up to him and goes, can you say this because Bray's coming back? I'm like, why would Dolph care? Why would Dolph? I could understand Dolph going, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no. But, I, but Michael Cole or Corey Graves or Byron Saxton or Adam Pearce, like, they make more sense. They, would, they wouldn't turn around and say no. I could understand them doing it. So that's why the Michael Cole one seemed to make a bit more sense to me. So, did I? A bit conflicted on this one. Make of it what you will. Maybe we'll do a poll on Twitter 
Ask him what people think. Do you think it was a reference? Well, I'd be interested to see what people think. Uh, this led to our next match anyway. This was Finn against Dolph, as we said. And uh, it is a victory for Finn Balor. He hits the uh, coup de grace. Rhea Ripley did get involved. Of course, she was at ringside. No Damian Priest. He was going to be in our main event this evening. But uh, Rhea Ripley uh, grabbing out at Dolph, distracting. That allowed uh, Finn to regain the momentum and uh, hits a coup de grace and picks up the victory in this match. So, uh, yeah, good uh, good result for uh, Finn here to get the win. Certainly after he'd just been punked out backstage. It wasn't a great look for him. Next, uh, we go backstage. And this is where we see Trish again. So, Aaliyah is here. Uh, no sign of Raquel. And uh, Bailey's like, oh, are you here scouting out uh, the women that are in the final? Like, maybe you'll get there. Maybe you won't. Because, obviously... Uh, Raquel and Aaliyah haven't quite qualified yet for the final. They've still got a little bit more work to do. But um, Trish arrived and uh, Bailey was saying like, oh, it's really stupid. You're outnumbered. Um, and Trish arrived and Trish said, you know, how are you medically cleared? Are you ready to compete? Like, how long are you going to like, like stay away from the ring? Basically, uh, how about you have a match with Aaliyah tonight? And Bailey agrees. And so the match is made. And that's it, really. Not the most gripping of uh, moments, but a match is made uh, between Aaliyah and Bailey, and uh, people were excited to see Bailey compete. Bailey having a match on Raw is very exciting, so you know it, it wasn't the most exciting segment, but it got us to an exciting place. Then we went to the ring, and we had the Alpha Academy in the ring, and the Alpha Academy, shush, please. Uh, lots of uh, shushing, laying into the local teams, laying into the fact that the local uh, Maple Leaves had lost to uh, a team from Tampa. And uh, Chad Gable was like, fun fact, they don't even have ice in Tampa, which I'm sure is not true. I'm pretty sure if you order a cocktail, you could have ice in it. Um, and I'm sure they even have ice rinks. I'm sure they do. But uh, I got his point. And uh, he was like laying into the local fans. There was a Go Leaves Go chant uh, that broke out, but he was really laying into them. And uh, of course, this was really building up uh, for a big reveal. It was going to be an open challenge. And I must admit, I thought it was a tag team open challenge because it says Alpha Academy open challenge. So I was waiting for a tag team, but it wasn't a tag team and it wasn't even a tag match. Uh, it was going to be against just Chad on his own. Uh, and the person that answered that, don't forget, we're in Canada. Kevin Owens, massive reaction for Kevin Owens here. It was a great response. And I must admit, I do like how they've booked this show because Aaliyah is from Canada. She's taken on Bailey later. Edge in the main event from Canada. Kevin Owens here from Canada. Trish opening the show from Canada. I mean, Canada was represented all throughout this show. I would imagine if you're Canadian, you were loving it. And even if you weren't Canadian... I would have to think you was enjoying it because it was a very strong show. It It's not like there wasn't really a great deal of note that was happening, although EO and Dakota did make it through to the final. But, uh, you know, it didn't matter really who won between uh, Dolph and Finn. Didn't really matter who was going to win here between Chad and Kevin Owens. But, um, you know, it was still, it was booked well. I felt like it was something that was quite easy to watch, enjoyable to watch. Um, it was it was good. And I really like Kevin Owens' shirt as well. We spoke about it before, about how he came out with what looked to be his old shirt. It's actually a new shirt based on his old shirt 
So it's a new old shirt. Um, but yeah, that kind of gaffer take Kevin Owens, it's very NXT. It's what he had in NXT. This feels very Kevin Steen, which is what he was called on the like indie circuit in Ring of Honor and everything. Um, he, he is very much back to NXT Owens, back to prize fighter. But that is technically a new shirt, uh, just based on his old shirt. But it, it gives you the vibe of what we're going for here. We're going for that really cool version of Owens that exploded on the scene, that took on John Cena. It's great to see. It's great to see. I'm glad we're doing this with him. He deserves this. He's been just bobbing around for too long, just faffing about. Now we're, I feel like we've got a real credible main event challenger here now if you just keep building him up. A lot of people going, is he face? Is he heel? I genuinely don't know. I mean, he beat up Ezekiel, didn't he, last week? And uh, we saw Ezekiel, well, two weeks ago. Last week, we saw Ezekiel's family. Nothing from Ezekiel this week. They might save it for next week. But um, that was kind of heelish. But now here he is taking on Chad Gable that was just laying into Canada. So this was quite face-ish. So I don't know. Was he just a face this week because we were in Canada? Or has he turned face now? Or is he just literally out for himself? And if you're a heel or a face, he doesn't care. Not sure. We'll, we'll get a better answer on that next week, I think. But this was cool. This was cool. And it was a good match as well. I actually think this match, people were into this more than they were into the women's tag match. And maybe uh, more into the Finn-Dolph match. But Finn-Dolph got a great reaction. Great reaction. There was some really, really good stuff. The wrestling here was really strong. So uh, we actually get another flying headbutt. I've pointed this out before, but um, flying headbutts, to my knowledge, a banned move. Uh, clearly not anymore, but um, has been banned. I said that before and people were like, oh, but Daniel Bryan used to do them. But to be honest, I think it got banned after Daniel Bryan did them. I don't think he did them when he returned. And uh, I think that they were banned after that. There is actually a What Culture article that goes through a list of banned moves and they list it as being a banned move. And it's certainly not a move that we see on a regular basis. So maybe they allow certain superstars to do it, certain superstars that they think can do it um, safely. But to be honest, in this modern world with, you know, concussions and all of that kind of stuff, I'm just really surprised that they allow him to do it. It just doesn't feel like a move that he needs to do. But um, it really stands out to me. Every time he does it, I'm like, oh, my God, he just did a flying headbutt. Uh, it really stands out. I'm shocked it's not a finishing move, though. It, if this is a move that people really are not encouraged to do and is banned, no longer banned, whatever, I think at least we can all agree it's a move we just really do not see on a regular basis. I suppose I'm just surprised it's not the move he's using to put people away because um, it really stands out whenever I see it. I might stop calling it out now, though, now that it feels like it is just a move he's allowed to do, but... Um, I just thought it noteworthy he did it again. Uh, the end result, though, is a pop-up powerbomb, and it is a victory for Kevin Owens. So uh, Kevin Owens picking up the win here. Then uh, next one, we go to the Aaliyah-Bailey match. And uh, I know this image on screen maybe doesn't uh, show it that well. Aaliyah is crying before this match starts. Um, I think it's the emotion of it. She's Canadian. She's in Canada. This is one of the biggest matches she's had. I mean, I've got to guess her friends and family are there. I've got to think this is a real emotional moment for her. This has been a long, long road as well. She was in developmental for a long time. And, um, you know, she comes up to the main roster. 
She gets used a bit. Then she's in catering. I mean, for her to be on Raw in Canada, taking on Bailey in front of her friends and family, I can totally understand why that moment got to her. Totally understand. But it did not stop me for one second from taking the mick out of her. Uh, not for one second did I delay in making fun of her during the watch along. And that is something I am very proud of. So, um, you know, uh, she was in tears. A lot of tears, actually. We saw Beth quite emotional later on. I was asking, like, what's up with the women at the moment? They're all losing their minds. But um, not a bad little match. Little bit sloppy. I would say this was probably the sloppiest out of all of the matches. I think you've got Aaliyah, whose work is not the crispest, taking on Bailey, who is coming back from injury. So, yeah, not the not the best ingredients for a five-star classic. But uh, end result is that Bailey gets the win. She uh, gets the victory, the, the pinfall over Aaliyah, um, who, you know, it's the right result. But uh, a good showcase, really. This was not a squash. This was not like a one-minute thing. They gave these girls some time. So uh, Aaliyah definitely got a chance to show what she could do. Um, she, uh, you know, did like a bulldog uh, on the outside, little tribute to Trish. There's some nice little moments in here. Thez Press. That's very much a go-to for Aaliyah. She loves the Thez, Thez Press. So uh, she did that, but it's it's Bailey that gets the victory in the end. Uh, then backstage, we saw a fire. And uh, again, you can't quite see it, but just standing next to Adam Pierce is someone in riot gear. And actually, we'd heard that there was going to be uh, a bigger moment on this show for Dexter Loomis. So we knew that Loomis was going to have a big moment uh, on this show. Didn't quite know what it was going to be, but this next match was Bobby and AJ taking on Miz and Champa. Um, lots of wrestling on this show. Not a problem, but I do just worry that it's not being broken up with any kind of storyline or you get like a, the odd backstage interview or something, but it's a lot of wrestling. I think I think I would like a talk show. I think a, a talk show segment could have been really fun and uh, could have just broken up like all the wrestling we had. So I don't know. It's it's hard to complain about like getting so much wrestling. I, I don't want to be doing that because I enjoy it and the wrestling is really, really good. But I think there is a balance. I think you do need variety. I think that, um, you know, the matches need to breathe as well. You know, uh, you need to make sure that the wrestling we get really stands out. And a way of doing that is to just put, you know, some uh, different segments either side of it, just kind of break it up a little bit. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, another match in a row here. Uh, go into this tag match. Uh, during this tag match, uh, on the outside, there was someone that tries to grab AJ. So some dude who was, I think, in Riot Gear as well, he uh, comes up and he tries to grab at AJ. The security get him and drag him away. He is revealed to not be Dexter Loomis. He's not Loomis. I actually don't know who he is. There's people giving me lots of different names. Um, some people thinking it's a local talent. Some people thinking it's Whacking Wild. Um, there was another name mentioned, and I don't even know who that was. So uh, I actually, I mean, I've got the image here. I, I, it's not really clear enough for me to identify that person and go, it's it's this. I'm sure the name is doing the rounds on social media. If you desperately want to know who it is, I'm sure you can find it. But I don't expect to see this person again. I don't think this is a call up for this person. I think this is just a decoy. I think this person was there because Dexter knew 
that they would think it was him and they will drag this person out, which allows him to then attack without security being around, which is a clever plan. And it worked because he strikes uh, on the other side moments later, grabs the Miz and starts dragging the Miz away. He actually kidnaps the Miz. He kidnaps the Miz. He gets the Miz and he drags the Miz away. Now, apparently, and I didn't hear it, as soon as this happens, the bell rings. So it's a DQ. And um, I, I am going to be critical here. There's not loads to criticize when it comes to Triple H and his booking. I just really, really, really don't think WWE can tell these stories. I just don't think they know how to tell them convincingly. Because for me, they've done a really good job with Dexter Loomis. Like we had seen him uh, attacking backstage, things playing in the background, you know, like the crash car, bins on fire. It was not a focus of the show. It was not a part of the show they were focusing on. You could tell that this was, I mean, it was clearly in the script, but it's not in the script. Like that's the way they were doing it is it's like this guy. I said before that when he attacked the other week, it felt like a fan had genuinely attacked. I would not be surprised if people at home thought a fan had tried to get over the barricade a couple of times because they made it seem very realistic. But it is so difficult to try and convince people that a wrestler has been kidnapped. Kidnappings are just really, really hard stories to tell because they're so out there. Do you know what I mean? They're so extreme. Someone trying to jump the barricade, we've seen. We've seen. We've seen someone attack Seth. We've seen people get in the ring, fans jump in the ring. Fans jump in the barricade is sadly something that has happened in the past, and I'm sure it will happen again. We all remember that guy attacking Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame. So I felt like we were in a realm of realism, but this moment for me goes a bit too far because part of the problem is that, you know, we're focused on Dexter dragging Miz away. So he's dragging him away and we're focused on it and the camera's staying on it. And you've got like Byron Saxton going, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe the Miz has just been kidnapped. And it's just, it just sounds so silly and preposterous. Like, it's just all, I don't know. I really, str I really struggled with this. This was one that I really thought that they would have booked better. I really thought they would have found a better way of doing it. I understand with pro wrestling, you have to just go with it, right? But to be honest, under the Triple H kind of regime, do you? Do you have to just go with it? Because I actually thought this story had been but really well up to this point. And then now we've got someone being kidnapped. And, and you do get to the point where the commentator has to turn around and go, right, well, let's uh, go on with the show. Um, and it's like, hang on, Miz has just been kidnapped. Like, do we need to go on with the show? I was saying what would have been cool, right? If you really want to do a kidnap angle, yeah? If you really want to do an angle where the Miz is kidnapped, I think it could have been done much better if the cameramen like um, look up and they see uh, Loomis dragging the Miz away and the cameramen like move the camera away so that it's like, oh, this clearly is not part of the show. So the cameramen don't focus on it. And then like in the background, you hear Byron going, production, are you seeing, are you seeing what we're seeing? Kevin, Kevin. Yeah. Are, you, are these images coming through? Like, and, and you can tell that Byron is not talking to us. He's talking to the production truck. And then during all of that, as like, you know, we cut to a different camera, say like a wide camera, you can see Dexter dragging Miz away and then commercial break. You go straight to a commercial break. 
And and what you want is you want that this is not meant to be happening vibe that I thought they'd done such a good job of with like the uh, stuff previous. And I think they missed the mark here because this just felt like it was part of the show. This to me, like they did not do a good enough job of convincing me that this was real and he was really being kidnapped. And um, yeah, I know it's Moni. I know some people might say, oh, just go with it. It's like, it doesn't matter. And that's fine. I will go with it. But I, I think it's still worth pointing out if there's something that doesn't meet your expectations uh, when the rest of it had been so good. So I was kind of like making that point. And I was like, oh, man, you know, they've been doing so well. And it just feels like they dropped the ball. And then Johnny Gagano comes out. <laughs> So I'm down there going, oh, man, I think they haven't ruined the story, but it's like, man, I, it's just not how I would have done it. And then flipping Johnny Gagano out of nowhere. Forget RKO's out of nowhere. Johnny wrestling out of nowhere. Johnny flipping wrestling out of nowhere. We've been waiting for him to return. Apparently it's been nine months, nine months, and we haven't seen him. And, um, yeah, he comes back. So out of nowhere, we after that, you know, we go to commercial break. We come back. It's all quiet. Johnny Gagano comes on screen. Rebel heart music hits. He makes his way down to the ring. Place goes banana. Uh, he gets into the ring. Big Johnny wrestling chants. I mean, if you thought that this guy was in NXT, hadn't been seen much on the main roster, how would the crowd react to him? They know who he is. This crowd knew who he was, and he got a big reaction. And Canada is a very weird place to bring him back because he's not Canadian. Um, and But the only thing I would say is that we were in Cleveland not that long ago, and I think people were expecting him there. And because we were in uh, Canada and somewhere that's not related with Johnny, bringing him out here is maybe a stroke of genius because no one was expecting him. None of the dirt sheets reported that he had re-signed. The last I heard was when Triple H took over, one of the first things he did was tell Shawn Michaels, get in touch with Johnny. I want Johnny. And so Shawn had had that conversation, but we didn't know how it had gone. We didn't know if Johnny was coming back. We didn't know if Johnny had pre-signed with AEW or whatever. Listen, does Johnny come onto the main roster if Vince is still in charge? I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know. Does Johnny come onto the main roster if Vince is there? I don't know. All I do know is he's here now and he is going to be a megastar. I have no doubt about it. Absolutely clip this, throw it back in my face if I am wrong, right? Feel free to do it. He is going to be a megastar. By megastar, I mean he is going to be a world champion. I expect him to main event one of the nights of WrestleMania. Um, not next year, but at some point, I expect him to get to that level. For those of you that don't know Johnny and you think this guy might be a tag champ, might be a mid-card champ, something along those lines, I'm putting it out there. Future future champion, WWE champion, universal champion, main event uh, at least one night of WrestleMania. Absolutely, he will win a Royal Rumble, right? Rumble winner. Uh, main event WrestleMania, WWE Universal Champion. This guy has got it all. He can promo. He can work as a tag team. He can be a mid-card champ. He can be the guy that carries the promotion. He has got such a unique connection with the audience. 
his connection with the crowd is one of those real rare connections with the crowd. Like I said before, the last person I saw that had it might be Cody at the moment. Cody's got that kind of rare connection because of everything he's been through. And the fact is a Rhodes. But really, before that, I might go back to Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. This guy to me is the next Daniel Bryan. This guy to me is someone that can deliver five star matches, killer promos. He can deliver great stories as long as they give him the right creative to the moon, right? To the moon. I am overjoyed that he has chosen WWE. Overjoyed because it's massive. It's massive. It's massive. It's massive news because he really is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He is capable of five-star matches. And, and not only that, he's capable of telling stories. He can work as a heel. He can work as a face. You can have him in a faction. He can work in a tag team. He was in DIY with Champa. They were one of the best tag teams in NXT. He was a former NXT champ. He said he's the first NXT Triple Crown champion. He's three-time uh, North American champion, so he can work in the mid-cards. He was in the way with Austin Theory, which was one of the funniest factions as well. Like, you can be serious. He can be funny. He can do mixed tag matches with Candice, his wife. Uh, he, uh, this guy can do it all. He can do it all. I mean, uh, this guy is the the underdog, the plucky underdog. I mean, I, I, I would love Sammy to be that guy as well. I would love Sammy to be that guy that, that gets, you know, that kind of push. And, you know, I feel that Sammy has got it in him. Before Johnny, you had Sammy, and Sammy was the underdog from the underground. But once Sammy went to the main roster, then, you know, Johnny took over that role. So I kind of feel like, um, yeah, we're, we're lucky, man. I mean, him against Sami Zayn, him against Kevin Owens, him against Cody, him against Seth, him against AJ Styles. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, Johnny against Gunther, incredible. If it sounds like I'm swooning, it's because I'm swooning. I was I was legit worried he was going to AEW, which is fine, but it's just not as big. And he is going to have WrestleMania moments. He is going to... I can see boyhood dreams. I can see boyhood dreams coming true. I can see him with the W... I can see him on his knees in the ring at WrestleMania with the WWE title in his hands. And like... Him, like, wiping the tears away as fireworks shoot into the sky. Like, this is the future. This is where we're going. It is so exciting. If you are excited as well, you're right to be excited. WWE's future, every passing show, just gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And this was, this was massive. This, to me, is the biggest return we've had so far since Triple H. I take this over Carrion. I take this over Loomis. I take this over Dakota. I take this over the EO call-up. I take this over all of them. This is game changer. Game changer. So loved it, loved it, loved it. Then we had uh, Theory come out. Theory came out, uh, which was really cool because, as you said, these two were in a group together known as The Way, and uh, he super kicks him. He super kicks uh, Theory, lays him out. It's not a heel turn by Johnny because Theory had come out and said, look, I've changed. You know, we used to be close and everything and we still can be, but I'm the veteran now. You need to be carrying my bags. Yeah, you need to be giving me support. 
Like, um, if you want to carry the briefcase and hand it to me when I cash in, like he was being really arrogant. And, um, you know, it was quite clear that these two are on different paths now. And, um, you know, uh, Theory said, let's do the high five thing one more time because they used to do that when they were in the way together. And, um, you know, Johnny's teasing it and then bang, hits him with a super kick, lays him out. And so it seems like we're on a collision course. Seems like it's going to be Theory, Johnny. Uh, they're going to have a little back and forth segments on Raw now. Amazing. Just amazing. Um, yeah, so good. And I'm sure they'll join forces together in the future one day. I'm sure there'll be a way reunion at some point, which will be great. But um, yeah, I must admit, I was a little bit sad that like we weren't getting that now. But it makes sense. Johnny's got to be a face. He's the ultimate baby face to me. You can turn him heel like how Daniel turned heel. But w when he's going to reach the mountaintop, he needs to be a face. And um, they've kept him face. Theory came out. He's being really cocky and he gets laid out. So massive moment. It was uh, so good. So good. Uh, then uh, we get uh, a little thing. We are towards the end now. Um, we get this uh, Kurt Angle graphic. So uh, Kurt is going to be uh, on next week's Raw. To be honest, I was still recovering from Johnny. So I'm fortunate I managed to get this screenshot. Um, I didn't know why it was happening, but apparently Pittsburgh is where we're going to be next week. And that's where Kurt's from. Love it. Love it. More legends. So love it. Obviously, we had Trish. Because uh, we're in Canada and Edge in the main event and Aaliyah and Kevin Owens. Um, but uh, next week we're in Pittsburgh and so we got Kurt. So this seems to be another thing Triple H is doing. He's looking at where the shows are and he's trying to find a local star, a legend to put on that show. It's a, another way of showcasing legends. It's a, another way of getting like, you know, it's just great. I mean, it was great seeing Trish this week. I just wish they'd done more with her or have a say something of note. You know, it'll get old quite quick if Kurt comes out and doesn't really have anything to say. So um, I'd like for him to... I hope they look at that. Um, but yeah, exciting. Great. I can't wait. Uh, so we got that. Then uh, we got to our main event, uh, Edge against Damian Priest. Uh, Beth Phoenix was in the audience, looking very emosh. As I said, all the women tonight were very emosh. Um, but uh, she was in the crowd. Uh, she had like tears in her eyes. Edge looking so good, all in white uh, when he came down. This match, I mean, uh, to be honest, it was hard to focus. They had about 20 odd minutes or so um, <clears throat> back and forth. Uh, some really great spots. <clears throat> There's big uh, razors edge that uh, Damian Priest did to Edge to put him through the commentary table. So uh, really cool. As I said, really great spots. But uh, it is Edge that hit the spear and got the win in the end. Uh, at one point, he even has like the chair, bit of the chair, like cross facing Damian Priest. So Edge uh, picks up the uh, the victory. Um, that meant that Rhea and Finn came down. They started to uh, attack uh, uh, Edge. That meant that Beth Phoenix got into the ring, uh, grabbed a chair and drove uh, the Judgment Day back. So Feels like Beth and Edge are going to join forces. We need maybe Ray to join them. And then it'll be them lot taking on the Judgment Day. Um, feels like we're building that way. But this is how the show ended. And to be honest, super, super difficult to focus. After, after that Johnny moment, which came from nowhere and was absolutely awesome. Really hard to focus on the main event. Crowd loved it. 
I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were still great moments, as we said, like the razor's edge bit and all of that. But my head is just spinning about Johnny and all the potential. I mean, it's 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 massive, absolutely massive. So uh, yeah, but this was kind of cool to have uh, Beth stand in tall, and as we said. I think that means we've got a bit more development on this story. So I felt like the show, we are going to jump to the chat now, but I felt like the show was solid, but maybe not much of note apart from that women's tag team, um, you know, EO and Dakota getting to the final. Um, and then, you know, Kevin Owens and all of that kind of stuff, uh, Bailey winning, all of that. Then you get the Dexter moment. However you feel about it, it's noteworthy. So the Dexter moment, I think, is the biggest uh, up until that point. And then, boom, Johnny Gagano. And then we get to this bit as well. So I can't remember if all of that played out in the final hour. I feel like it was. So I feel like two hours of solid show, but not really much noteworthy. Final hour, we just flipping went crazy. We just lost our minds. And we just were like, here, have this, have this, have this. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to see the scores. See what lot, uh, what you lot scored it. But um, that was this week's Raw. Let's go over to the chat. Uh, just wanted to say I enjoy debate. Still disagree, but I enjoy the debate, says Brenton. Yeah, me, me and uh, Brenton had a conversation about theory. And we were talking about... Um, it was good. It was a good debate, I agree. It was uh, civil. Um, and it was a debate of, like, you know, is it a problem that theory is going to be... Because we think he'll lose to Johnny. Is it a problem that the guy with the money in the bank briefcase is going to be losing matches before he cashes in? My feeling on it is no, because he can lose, he can put other people over. As soon as he cashes in, it's such a big moment that as long as he wins, you know, or everything that comes before is forgotten because, well, he's a champion. Do you know what I mean? And if you don't respect it, good, because he's a heel. I think it would be a problem maybe if he was a face. If he was a face, I, I would agree and say that it is a problem because I think a face that's been losing, that gets the title, that maybe doesn't deserve it and is seen as undeserving, mm, I'm not sure how much the crowd would be into that. But because he's a heel, I think it's absolutely fine. But Brenton doesn't. Brenton disagrees. So we have a disagreement on that. But I think what I like about it is that that, to me, is going to play out across everyone that's watching and listening is that they will have their own opinions on it and by no means are 100% going to go in one way or the other so uh, it's just an interesting debate really so yeah I agree I, I enjoyed it as well uh, Godfather94 said I like briefcase holders are shown not worthy mentioning when he cashes in it'll be crazy of a finish KC Max says, I remember other Money in the Bank winners losing matches before they win a title back in the day. Uh, do we get Bray at Clash, says Gavin. Do we get Bray at Clash? I think there is a chance. Um, I think the uh, he's got the whole world in his hands uh, line will definitely be something people are talking about. I think undeniably, though, the biggest talking point is Johnny. I would say Johnny is the biggest talking point. Then it is Dexter Loomis kidnapping Miz. Poor Miz. He's been kidnapped and he's not hes not even the biggest talking point. So uh, I reckon that's second. Then it might be whole world in his hands being mentioned. Could be third, you know. I know that sounds crazy, but it, I do admit it is a weird thing for Dolph to say. I know he wasn't talking about Bray, 
But as we said before, he, he doesn't need to be. If if he said yowie wowie and he wasn't talking about Bray, it, it still does the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like he has clearly said something that's connected to Bray. And so all the Bray fans that are so desperate for him to return, they're going to take that and they're going to be like, oh my God, that was, that was you know, people out there are going to be adamant that that is a reference to Bray. And as I said, uh, during our breakdown, uh, we could do a poll on Twitter and see what people think. I reckon uh, knowing Twitter, it'll probably be like 60-40 would be my guess. They think it was a reference. Um, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but, but, but WWE is trying too hard, says Savvy One. Uh, I love the 70s and the 80s, says Manually. Michael Dexter said the fatal four-way is just teams that got eliminated in the first round. Uh, Alexa and Asuka will get their revenge at Clash. Roman will enter Clash, uh, surpassed that thousand-day mark. He Well, he won't have passed a thousand days by the time he gets to Clash. He's got to get to next year, hasn't he? So I really think this is his biggest challenge, as I said earlier, because we know that he was going to face Riddle, Randy, Drew in that order. So I was quite comfortable that until we got to Drew, he was fine. But I have not heard any plans now for his future. So I'm not saying that he definitely loses, but we know that the USA Network want at least one title going to Raw. So that's a problem. And I've not heard anything about his future. So, and Clash is a massive show. I know SummerSlam's a massive show. I feel like Clash is just as big. I think it's just as big. We're in a stadium. Again, you know, massive. So we're in a stadium. We're biggest show in the UK, and the UK is a hotbed for WWE. So biggest UK show since uh, 30 years, since SummerSlam 92. I feel like this is a big show. And I think that you could absolutely get a title change here. Uh, when do you see Sasha and Naomi returning? I think there's a good chance it'll be at Clash because I think that it could be it could be whenever we do the final. The final of this women's tag tournament won't be at Clash because the two teams, well, not both teams, but EO and Dakota, they are already in a match at Clash and they're in the final. You can't do both matches at Clash. So, um, you know, when I say both teams, I mean Asuka and Alexa and EO and Dakota, both of them, whoever had won today, well, they're both in a match already at Clash. Neither of those teams could have done a final as well. I mean, you can't have them in that six-woman tag match and in the final. Uh, that's not fair. And I, and I don't think they would do that anyway. So um, I don't. I think when you see Sasha Naomi, I think it will be either just after the new champions have been crowned so the new champs are crowned and then the old champs come walking out or they wait and they do it and have a moment at Clash at the Castle. But um, I think it's soon. I don't think it's far away. Uh, reports were, you know, a good few weeks ago now that they'd sorted it out. So I do expect them to come back. Uh, Michael said he's held it for a year. You even said that. He's held it since 2020. He's technically over two years, but in WWE terms, a thousand days. How is two years in WWE terms a thousand days? You know, there's what, 365 days in a year. So two years doesn't get you to a thousand days, does it? So I don't know what you mean by that. He's He has held it for two years. I think he won it. I want to say like the 30th of August, 2020. 
So he's on 700 and something days. So he's still got he's still got a way to go to get to a thousand. Um, Jim said a thousand days will be May 28th. There we go. So he's got to get through to May 28th, 2023. Uh, Manchester is greater than London, isn't it, Days? Give me a shout out, says Sir Idris Ali. Well, I do love London, actually. I've been to London a lot of times, so I've got a, I've got a soft spot for London. But I support Man United, football team-wise, so I've got a soft spot for Manchester as well. So I uh, I would say I've been to London more than I've been to Manchester. But uh, I have always had a fantastic time whenever I have been to Manchester. It's a great city. So um, I don't know, man. I kind of love them both, to be honest. Uh, actually, the real answer is Birmingham. Birmingham beats them both. Uh, Juice Tin said, I think this year Gagano should be winning mid-card titles in 2022. I think Gagano should win the WWE Championship at SummerSlam 2023. Uh, Gavin said, I don't know why Roman can't be full-time. He's not even 40. Uh, well, I mean, his health might be a bit of an issue. Uh, we don't know what's going on with his health. Um, as well as that, I, I don't think it's a big problem not having the champion on the shows every week. Like, that's not a problem for me. It's not a problem for me because um, I think that when he's on, it feels special. You know, when his music hits and he comes walking out. It, it does feel like special because you don't get him every week. And I don't mind that. I think as long as the belts are being defended every 30 days, for me, that's his obligation. I remember when Raw first started, you wasn't seeing the champion every week on Raw. But saying that Raw was only like an hour. And once you take the adverts out, probably only 40 summit minutes. So you didn't have tons of time. So you couldn't really give a segment every week to the champion. So I don't know. I, I suppose it's a bit different for me because I've grown up watching wrestling where the champion wasn't on the show all the time. So I'm kind of, I, I'm all right with it. It keeps it special. But um, as long as that belt is being defended or those belts are being defended on a regular basis, once a month is really the minimum expectation, then um, I think it, he ticks the box for me. I, that's why I was never really uh, too down on the Brock reign. Although what I will say is that Brock does have at least one title reign where I don't even think he's hitting the 30-day mark. So that that's a problem. Uh, if you say Roman retires next year or so, uh, who does Heyman manage next, says Brenton? Or will he retire as well? Um, I, I don't know that Roman does retire next year. Uh, I suppose once he's beaten The Rock, you could really ask the question, what's next for him? Maybe he works an even more reduced schedule. But uh, I don't know that he does completely retire. I think he is someone that wants to go into Hollywood. I think he's seen the John Cena success, certainly the Rock success. And um, you've got to know that they'd be interested in Roman. So I could see him definitely being tempted with films, maybe working an even more reduced schedule. But um, I don't know that I can see him outright retiring. In regards to like who could Heyman manage, I don't know, to be honest. I, I feel like it needs to be someone big. I don't think him managing a smaller guy is going to work. So, I mean, I don't know if Gable Stevenson comes in as a heel, but Gable Stevenson could come in and be the next big thing for Paul Heyman. And actually, Stevenson working with Heyman just makes perfect sense to me. If he's going to be a heel, it makes perfect sense. So uh, maybe look at that. Maybe look at that. And I think Heyman would be quite excited to work with Gable Stevenson. It's kind of interesting because, like, Roman doesn't really need Heyman. 
Roman can promo and he can do a great job. Brock clearly doesn't need Heyman now. So Heyman's amazing and he absolutely should continue because he is so valuable. He's such a good promo that I hope he doesn't retire. But I wonder if he would be excited by a Gable Stevenson because Gable Stevenson would allow him to like really start again. Do you know what I mean? You've got this like rough lump of clay and you can like mold him how you want. And yeah, I think he'd be really excited by it, you know, invigorated by it. You know, here's a guy that's going to make mistakes. But how exciting that you're passing on all that wisdom again to someone like Brock doesn't need Paul Heyman's wisdom. Roman doesn't need it anymore. Like they're both massive stars. I mean, like how much more bigger are they going to get? But like Gable Stevenson, who's just starting out. Or someone like Von Wagner, who's down in NXT and he's a big guy. You know, Von Wagner could come up and he could be a Heyman guy. But I feel like Heyman needs to be with someone that's got a decent size to them, you know. I don't know if I can see Bron Breaker. Breaker's got an all right size to him, but I feel like he's a bit wild, a bit out there. It's not it, it doesn't really fit the Heyman guy persona to me. So, I don't know. Uh, how would you feel about Heyman managing Gunther? Mm, don't mind it. Don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind it. It 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 I think it legitimizes him. It, you could potentially say that it makes him I think anyone that Heyman uh, manages kind of gets a boost. It's not always worked. He did manage um, Curtis Axel. Uh, he managed a few actually in the past and didn't really work. I think he managed Cesaro at one point. So, you know, you, you have to be careful with who it is. But if it's someone that's got size and they can work and they can learn, um, you you know, you should be able to get somewhere with them. And I think Gunther absolutely fits that bill. So it's a great shout I just, I like the dynamic of him with Ludwig Kleiser at the moment. So him and Ludwig, I think's fine. But at some point, if, um, you know, next year, maybe Ludwig's, you know, let down Gunther and kicked to the wayside. And maybe Gunther wants to go to that next level. Gunther, like getting with Paul Heyman makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, what about doing Kurt as Gable Stevenson's manager? Both are former gold medalists, says Michael. Yeah, I don't mind that. I, I, I don't mind that at all. Uh, Gavin said, do you listen to any of the legend podcasts like Kurt Angle? Um, I do, but to be honest, I'm not very good at like listening on a regular basis. I listen to Cornette a lot. Um, he's just out there, and he? I mean, he's just, you can't really avoid it. I and mean, I feel like I get recommended his videos all the time. Um, I don't really get recommended any other shows as much. But I do try to listen to Bruce Pritchard, but of course he's not going to be talking about the modern stuff. But I, I find like learning about the old stuff really interesting. I, I did listen to William Regal's, but the problem with Regal is he comes across as a bit too nice. And so he, he's not going to drop anyone in it. And so his stories can lack a little bit of, I don't know, Cornette will drop anyone in it. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I think Bruce is quite happy to tell a few stories because his stories are all like 90s. So, you know, some of those guys are no longer with us. So, uh, like, it's fine for him to kind of tell, you know, his side of things. But I found with William Regal, like, he didn't really want to say anything bad about, like, you know, his time in WWE or anything. Like, and that's fine. I respect it. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of uh, I do listen to a few bits. Ric Flair's I listen to. That was pretty good. Kurt, I, I listened to one of Kurt's, but um, I probably got a lot to catch up on, actually. I, I do I do enjoy podcasts. 
they're brilliant for me because I'm always creating graphics, trying to do new videos, trying to think of other bits for the channel. So yeah, podcasts are brilliant. Much, much better to listen to that in the background than trying to focus on something that's on a screen, which I just, I don't, I'd have to be giving him like passing glances, you know. Uh, Burn It Down said, I think the only person left to come back now is The Fiend. Uh, would you want Heyman to manage Champa or Theory? Um, I don't know that either of them are really good Heyman guys, but I suppose Theory feels like he fits a bit better. He's pretty jacked. So I suppose he's got a bit more size. I just, I think that like Heyman's, Heyman needs to be next to a big guy. Heyman's not that tall, but you know, he's got a bit of girth to him, you know, uh, a bit of timber. So uh, I kind of feel like you need someone that is bigger than him, towers over him. I don't know if you if you stood Champa next to Heyman. I don't know that Heyman, like size wise, I think they're going to be about the same height. I always think Heyman looks better when he's standing next to a Brock and he's standing next to a Roman who's really tall. You know, that's why I think it needs to be a Von Wagner or someone like that. But you might be able to get away with theory. You might be able to get away with theory. Um, uh, there's a girl that works Fightful called Denise. She interviewed Theory and she asked about Vince retiring. I've not watched it yet, though. I can't imagine that there was much that came out of that, to be honest. I think they have to be quite careful with what they say. I would imagine it's just going to be like, you know, he's taught me a lot. I'm really appreciative of what he's done. I just imagine it's that kind of answer. Uh, what did you think of Flair's last match and build? We did a live watch along for it, actually. We are going to get to the scores, by the way. Um, but yeah, Flair's last match, I... To be honest, when he came out, thought he was drunk. Um, he just didn't... When he first walked out, build was great. Loved the video packages. But when he comes out, he he doesn't really take that moment to, like, acknowledge the crowds. He does, he does put his arms out momentarily, but then he turns around and he's faffing around with the big gold belts. And it all just is a bit clunky and it's a bit awkward. And he sort of shuffles his way to the ring. I made the comment. It's like, you know, me in my bathrobe in the morning, just kind of shuffling out, you know, going to the bathroom or going downstairs for some breakfast or whatever. Like it it, it, it didn't have that, that grand feeling to it of this is the final time. He, he came across like he'd been drinking. And I think actually he had. I think he even has come out and said like next time, uh, he'll have more water uh, next time rather than what he was drinking. So, you know, he, he comes into the ring, maybe not in the best of uh, conditions. And then apparently because he was dehydrated, he passes out a couple of times during the match. So I, I actually think that he could have worked a better match than what we got. But I think that he, you know, was just having a great time backstage, probably with the boys, a few drinks, got himself into a bad state. Good enough to be able to just get through a match and whatever, but just, only just, because, yeah, apparently he blacks out a few times. But he does a couple of spots, which I thought was pretty cool. He took a superplex. He was on the receiving end of a superplex, which in quite a big spot if you're in your 70s. And uh, great moment on the outside where he faked having a heart attack. And, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett's like, oh, my God. And then he pokes him in the eye just to gain the advantage. Apparently, Comrade Thompson told him not to do that spot, but he did it anyway. And um, <laughs> he's clutching onto his heart. I, know, I mean, like, uh, you got to say, respect. 70 years old in his final match. Everyone's nervous about his health. And he and he uses it to, uh, you know, tell a quick story in the in, during the match. I thought that was class, to be honest. 
People can say it's like, I don't know, distasteful or something, but no one got hurt. So, well, Jeff Jarrett did. He got poked in the eye. But um, no, I thought that was class. But yeah, overall, I would say that it was, I, I finished it and went, that needs to be his last match, right? I'm, I'm honoured to say that I got to watch one more, but it wasn't brilliant performance from him at all. And that needs to be his last one. But to be honest, I think he could do better. I think he could do better. I think what we saw, I don't think he needs to, because I think it's done. Like we don't, he doesn't need, doesn't owe us anything. It's done. But I think he could have done better. Uh, do you think uh, Drew beats Roman at Clash? I do, yeah. Uh, when are you doing another top 10 video? I like them. Uh, I would like to get another one out there this week. Um, to be honest, last week was all about building towards the weekend because we had a massive boxing stream and we had a massive UFC stream. And so I was just so focused on that. So last week was not a great week for other videos. But I do hope to have um, a top 10 onto the channel um, at some point this week and some other content on the channel this week. So... Yes, uh, that is a focus. But we are doing uh, NXT tomorrow. So there will be NXT tomorrow as well. Right, let's go over to uh, the votes and see what you lot have uh, scored and what you have said. Don't forget, if uh, ever you do want to uh, vote, uh, you can do with the link at the top. Um, I never get a chance to like type out vote here. But I know many of you now have been joining us for these post-show reviews and you keep coming back and joining us. And I really do appreciate that. Um, I mean, these these post-show reviews are so important um, that uh, I really am like fully on board with them. And it's great to see some familiar faces and names in the chat. So, um, yeah, I, I might not get a chance to say vote here, but that's where you that's where you vote. I always put the link in the chat. So uh, the official score is eight, eight out of ten, which I think is fair. I think that's fair. I feel like this show was probably bobbing around a seven. And then that Johnny Gagano moment easily takes us up uh, into the uh, into the eight range. So I feel like eight is fair. I can tell you the second score was 10 out of 10. For me, it's not that level because earlier in the show, I think, I don't know, it was solid, but it wasn't spectacular. And I think for me, a 10 out of 10 is going to need more than just Johnny. But uh, I totally get why people are in that range. Uh, nine uh, is up there as well. 8.5. I mean, look at these scores. Eight is at the top, then it's a 10, then it's a nine, then it's an 8.7, uh, then it's a 7.9. Um, there's some really, really impressive scores here. There's nothing up there that's like six or five. And it just shows how much people have enjoyed tonight, which is brilliant. Uh, favorite part of uh, Raw this week. So uh, Johnny Wrestling, uh, Miz Napping, Miz Napping, uh, Gagano. Uh, Loomis kidnapping Miz and no one seemed to care about the Miz. Uh, Man United and Johnny Gagano. Um, being Canadian, I am legally obliged to say Trish. Johnny, 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 Johnny. Uh, Trish, Dexter kidnapping the Miz. Johnny wrestling returning. Solid main event. That's from Sam. Sam, shout out to you. Uh, Johnny, literally one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Hayden said I didn't watch the show. Um... I really like Seth and Riddle fighting. Uh, Robin, someone of their title home country thoughts. Hang on. Um, they should do it at Clash. Do what at Clash? Theory Cash is in. Oh, I'm going to have to read all of this, aren't I? My score is just at 10, even though I didn't watch. 
Okay. Well, if you didn't watch, how can you score it in 10? Uh, Loomis kidnapping the Miz. Johnny, 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 Johnny. Lots of love for Johnny. Let's go back up. I always suspected that with the tens, that some of them were people that didn't tune in. Least favorite part of the show, Byron. Alpha Academy's open challenge. Uh, I think Aaliyah versus Bailey. I think the match was a bit long. Obviously, you don't want Aaliyah getting squashed in front of her hometown, but I think this match was sloppy and it should have been shorter. I do agree with that. Uh, first hour, Priest. Uh, you're making fun of Liv Morgan. Did I make Liv fun of? Oh, I did, yeah. I said she cried. And Aaliyah. Yeah, because Liv cries all the time. And uh, Aaliyah was crying as well. Uh, I had no problems with this show. Bailey and Aaliyah. Still no Bray. Aaliyah and Bailey. Aaliyah and Bailey. Uh, Mr. Ziggles uh, lost. And I'm crying like Aaliyah. Uh, Aaliyah Bailey, says Justin. KO spot was pandering. Done badly. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, a lack of build for Clash at the Castle. Uh, lack of raw prestige on the card. Uh, opening segment, Beth not getting an entrance. Uh, I'd prefer the first few to not be with Theory. That's interesting. Being a Canadian, I am legally obligated to say Aaliyah losing to Bailey. So there we go. Let's go over to uh, the chat for final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, Days obviously didn't read that person, which I'm sure was you, Michael, said they didn't watch but gave it out of 10 because of Johnny. Yeah, but why is anyone going to be interested in someone's opinion if they say they don't watch the show, Michael? If someone turns around and says, I didn't watch, I'm going to give it a 10. Why should that have any influence on the official score compared to people that have watched and did watch uh, all throughout the show? So I think it's um, I can understand that being a bit frustrating for people that uh, do kind of put in their honest opinions of the show. To have someone go, oh, I didn't watch, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna spam. Basically, I'm gonna spam ten out of ten. I could understand that annoying a few people. Uh, what time is it in the UK? You must get zero sleep. Uh, it is twenty six minutes past five. Uh, my sleep schedule is just on a bit of a different, uh, different time to everything else. I'm uh, about twelve hours out, so. But Scout's from uh, Down Under, so uh, his time must be uh, even crazier, to be honest. Uh, Erase Your Mind says, Adam Cole right now is crying on his contract. Uh, Sam said, what is Dexter doing to Miz right now? I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, you got it, says uh, Scout. I don't think I want to know what Dexter's doing to Miz right now. Uh, Ronda Rousey, I was trying to make another friend. Uh, 8.5 says, Connor, I thought the wrestling was good. Main event uh, was awesome. And to top it off, The Miz got kidnapped and Johnny returned. Uh, Godfather says, hashtag baby wrestling is trending. Lol. Uh, it was, um, it was uh, being chanted by the fans. As soon as Johnny came out and spoke about his six-month uh, baby... Uh, then uh, it was a case that um, uh, that he said uh, baby wrestling. The crowd started chanting it, and he's like, oh, he'll appreciate that in the future. So baby wrestling was being uh, chanted. I could imagine baby wrestling did trend as well. So very cool. Uh, 
Uh, Gavin said, the past few weeks I've been tuning into uh, WWE Raw uh, for the most I've had since 2015. Triple H is now not just the game, but the game changer. And I like that. I really like that. So shout out to you, dudes. Shout out to you. Triple H isn't just the game. He's the game changer. Right, guys, we're done. Thanks a lot for watching. Really appreciate the support. Hope you enjoyed uh, the show this week. And uh, don't forget, we're back tomorrow for NXT. And uh, we're going to be back on Friday for SmackDown as well. Awesome. Bye for now.